Welcome to The Meteor Podcast, a weekly news show about what's going on in the media community. This episode is for Friday, October 10th, 2014. Welcome, Meteor fans. I'm your host, Josh Owens, along with my co-host, Rye Walker, and a special guest, Stephen Haukis. Is that how you say your last name? Not at all, but it, <laughs> it's, it's German, so... I, in Germany, you would say Stefan Hochhaus. Hochhaus. Don't try. Hochhaus. Okay. All right. <laughs> <laughs> you were way wrong. That Josh. was totally off. Right. Next time, Rye gets to introduce the guest. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So uh, this week, we uh, let's see. Oh, wow. Totally. That totally threw me for a loop. We're going to talk about uh, Meteor acquiring Fathom DB, uh, learn. Meteor properly by JavaScript is sexy. Uh, great news for PhoneGap-based apps. Uh, Meteor's new feature will transform your Mongo collection. And another, yet another Meteor boilerplate. Um, so first, just real quick, uh, we've got sponsors again this week. Modulus, you guys have heard us talk about them before. Uh, they do... Hosting, node hosting, uh, and they just so happen to be one of the premier Meteor compliant or uh, Meteor um, accessible hosts. So you can just say uh, Modulus Deploy and they'll do the rest and uh, you'll get an app that's up and running and you kind of get the nice little servo slider so you can say oh i need five servers and you know they'll they'll handle all that for you so modulus.io and they also have some integration with our other sponsor codeship uh they're a free hosted continuous delivery service and so you can run tests there and you can have it deploy your app for you and all kinds of great things um they work with github github bitbucket um they can deploy to Heroku, Amazon Web Services, Modulus, etc. Um, their free plan is 100 builds a month and five private project repos. Uh, and if you use the, if you go to codeship.io/slash/meteorpodcast and sign up, you can put in the discount code meteorpodcast and get 20% off any of their paid plans for three months. So, pretty awesome. Codeship.io. Uh, so, Stefan. Uh, tell us what you've been working on lately. Sure. Um, so first of all, I, I need to prefix everything that I say with that I'm not really a developer. And I, I kind of came into the entire Meteor community by accident. Um, <laughs> uh, usually what I do, I'm, I'm self-employed and I do mostly consulting uh, stuff. And I personally like to blog a bit. So the consulting stuff is for large enterprises, uh, something around uh, organizing uh, continuous integration and deployment uh, environments, uh, introducing Scrum and managing teams. And uh, since I, I do the blogging, I wrote this somewhat uh, popular post about the best learning resources. And based on this, I got a lot of feedback. And uh, at some point, uh, the folks from Manning contacted me and asked me if I wanted to write a book. And this is pretty much the, the biggest thing I'm actually doing with Meteor at this point. Um, I'm, I'm writing a book about Meteor, which is called Meteor in Action. And I'm not writing it alone because I prefixed what I said with, I'm not really a developer. So I asked someone I know who, who's really deep into Meteor, uh, which is Manuel Schöbel. And together with him, we started the uh, meetup for 
Meteor Cologne and Meteor Ruhrgebiet, which is uh, very close to Cologne, actually. And it's a, it's a metropolitan area in, in the west of Germany with about 5 million uh, people living there. So it's, it's quite a large area, but it's like, I think, 15 cities that make it up. So it's, oh, wow. it's an area and you probably don't know a single city of that too well. <laughs> I've heard of Cologne. Um, yeah, that's awesome. So, uh, you, you guys actually, you have a discount code too for listeners, right? Yes. So anybody who's, who's willing to actually, uh, take the plunge and uh, buy Meteor in Action, because we need to say Meteor in Action is not done yet. So, um, this week I finished chapter four, which is about reactive data. Um, but until now, I think there are three chapters available. If you buy the book, it's an early access program. You can get the book now and you get the final version once it's out, which is targeted for early 2015. And everybody who, who wants to, to buy it, I highly encourage you because it's a very good book. Um, you can get 42% off uh, by using the, um, the code. I think we're going to put it in the show notes because it's probably hard to say because it's, it's metpod 14 how to exactly spell it, uh, it's probably best to just copy-paste it. Yeah, it's M-E-T-P-O-D, right? Yes, like Meteor plus Podcast. Yeah, awesome. All right, good stuff. So uh, I'm just curious, like, I've been writing a book, you're writing a book. I've talked to Sasha before, too. Like, how have you found that process to been, to to be? Mm, well... Honestly, it's not my first book. I, I had a book before, but that was about a totally different topic. It was about producing trans music. <laughs> so it was a tutorial kind of thing, telling people how to do the music with claps. Um, and this time it's very different. And what I find very challenging is the moving target because Meteor is not really done yet at this point. And uh, everybody who has a Meteor app in production knows that that you had to do some kind of refactorings going from 07 to 08, 09. Mm-hmm. And, um, if, you, if you do a book, we, we try to keep out the topics that, that were likely to be changing, um, and we succeeded mostly with that. Um, but other than that, what you probably also find out is if, if you go in-depth and write something about it and you want to have a, a certain pattern, what you follow, uh, then you find out that there are some things that are not really uh, that well integrated and which from a from an API perspective should be updated mm-hmm. and the interesting thing is that uh, going further towards 1.0 I found that the media people were exactly fixing those things that I thought were too hard to explain in a book uh, in, a, in a real uh, logical flow which is very nice for example they they changed the mongo.collection to meteor.collection uh, no uh, the other, other way, way around, around. Yeah. Um, which was much more sensible because it's it's preparing for MySQL collection or whatever comes mm-hmm. there. You know? And there were so many little things that just didn't fall into place by themselves. And you had to write around this to, to actually make sense of it. Yeah. And uh, we, I think the guys at MDG are doing a good job. They are cleaning all this up and, and it feels much more mature now, even writing about it. Yeah. Yeah. I've definitely had similar problems. I think even velocity's been, even tougher because it's even newer than Meteor itself. And, uh, you know, like I wrote an entire chapter on Cucumber and everything worked great. And I've got these older screenshots of the original HTML reporter in the testing book. And um, 
you know, like cucumber has been broken since the second iteration of velocity came out <laughs> and like the, the screenshots are out of date and the maintainer of cucumber is just kind of like falling off the face of the earth. So it's like, what do you even do with that chapter? Do I go fix the cucumber, um, test runner or like, do I just remove the chapter? Like very tough stuff. So I feel you there. <laughs> yeah. And, and I think that just reflects what every developer has because you have an app in production, you, you need to take it to the next level and the breaking changes, they're really, really tough. And at this point, it's so much better than, than with 07 to 08. I, that was really the, the worst thing for me because I had to spend so much time fixing stuff yeah. to the better, of course. But nevertheless, that there was kind of a couple of things to do and that, that was getting in my way of actually producing new features for, for one of my apps. Mm-hmm. Nice. So speaking of... Um my sequel Mongo will segue into our first first news story here, uh, which was Meteor announcing they acquired Fathom DB. Uh, I was actually the day this this was announced, I was down at the differential office, and so Ryan and I were kind of talking about what Fathom DB was, and I don't to me like s- sort of an interesting announcement, but at the same time, like Justin's been working directly for Meteor since May. Uh, the last time I was out there, we actually met Justin and they weren't announcing it yet, but he had joined the team and, uh, he'd already been working on a Redis package with, uh, Slava. So I'm assuming, you know, since then he's been working on even more features, but, uh, when we started poking into fathom DB, it looked like it was some kind of, uh, packaged up, uh, cloud version of MySQL. Isn't that what you found, Ray? Yeah, I think he was trying. He is basically trying to make it scale and work as well as say Postgres, and um, just he, he likes. I think he had some problems with Postgres, mm-hmm. so he wanted to build a better engine, basically a better cloud system. So yeah, I don't know. He, there might be some cool stuff that he's got in there that may be applicable to perhaps you know a generation of Meteor that has uh, SQL databases behind it. So yeah. um, it's hard to, it's really hard to know like how much of this was Aquahire versus tech acquisition. Um, right. I'm sure and how much of this both. was just like PR noise, right? Like sure. yeah. we're not we're not seeing any of this code coming out right now, so it's kind of tough yeah. to to not but, feel like it's just a PR noisemaker. But for me actually like I, I'm happy to see that it's official with Justin's on the team because I, I would check from time to time like mm. I wonder how he's doing. It's like wait he's not even on the list of meteor people. Like what's up with that? So uh, the, the good news here is Justin is on the team. He he knows databases really really well and uh, he's committed to getting us some stuff besides Mongo uh, which will really really help the meteor community grow. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah he's actually on the website now. Yeah. Yeah. To me, it sounds much like like they're preparing for DevOps um, strengthening uh, for the for the Galaxy release. Because if you really look at it, it's it's very similar to what any of these Mongo as a service uh, providers do. That was my understanding of it. So it's, yeah. it's not that much about actually bringing MySQL expertise to the table, but it's much about actually running on Rackspace, Amazon, AWS, and stuff like that. So that would really help in actually building a scalable cloud infrastructure, which is uh, what you really need uh, to get Galaxy started from my perspective. Yeah. 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 Uh, so when we were out there, we had some conversations with Matt and Jeff, and they uh, 
told us that they're they're going to kind of split into two priorities once 1.0 comes out. The first one's going to be Galaxy. The second one's going to be adding a new database um, kind of uh, layer for anyone that wants something like Postgres. I think that's what they had said back then that they were going to focus on. So um, my guess is that's what Justin will will probably focus on or has been focusing on. Well, and the, the, so the, the cool thing, I mean, Justin actually should be able to impact both, yeah. uh, both of those goals. So, yeah, he's a great guy to throw into the squad. Yeah. So. Awesome. All right. And we're moving on. So, Stefan, you said uh, you were going to lead this one. So learning Meteor properly by JavaScript is sexy. Yeah, I think that's just kind of an inherent topic for me with the, the best learning resources. That's, that, that's quite on my, my passion. How do, how do I learn this Meteor stuff? Um, and there's this great new article out. Um, maybe some of you remember that. That's the uh, JavaScript.isSexy site. And they had very good learning tracks, and that got me started with JavaScript, actually. And now they have a new post that is, I think, 13 months after the last one. So it's, it's been quite, quite a hiatus there. Um, it's titled Learn Meteor.js Properly. And there's pretty much everything in this article that you need to know to understand what is Meteor, how does it differ from all the other things, and why should I care about Meteor, and why should I start learning it. Plus, it ends with a great uh, study track how you can approach it. And I think, uh, let me check that I don't lie. I think it's six days that he suggests that you put in there and a couple of hours and he gives you exactly what are the topics for each different day that you should tackle. Um, he uses pretty much uh, the Discover Meteor book and the Evented Mind screencasts. But he announced that eventually he is going to provide a second study track that doesn't require any paid resources. So mm. this is going to be quite interesting probably. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, wait. You know, he does mention you in here, Rai. He's, uh, he's got a quote from you off Hacker News. Oh, okay. Nice. Cool. Rai yeah. Walker. I'm a Rails dev since 0.8, but since moving to Meteor the past few months, I'll not go back to Rails. <laughs> well, I'm sure he'll know. I mean, again, yeah, the podcast isn't mentioned on this and creator isn't mentioned in this post, but all we got to do is tweet at him that he, yeah. you know, we talked about him and his post on this podcast and I'm sure he'll add it, right? Yeah. Right? Yeah. <laughs> we said it on a podcast. Now it's got to come true. <laughs> yeah. he, he brings up one very interesting point that I have not seen anywhere yet. I don't know if, if that's a thing and I just missed it. He talks about Meteor being an integrated development ecosystem and he um, puts something called a multifarious development ecosystem or a multifarious development generator um, as the opposite of it. So he compares actually Meteor with the mean stack and uh, he brings up Yeoman as the only other thing that, that really stands for the multifarious development ecosystem. So basically his point is that he says that Meteor is, is, differs basically from the mean stack in itself um, and the mean stack, he says, is probably not at the same stage. It doesn't have a, the same kind of ecosystem that Meteor does. And it's neither, and I'm quoting him here, um, it's neither as robust nor as complete as Meteor, which mm-hmm. I found very interesting. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, whenever I end up talking about Meteor, I always talk about, like, you know, the packaging system and the, you know, atmosphere and those kinds of things. And then... Uh, even taking it further now with the the phone gap stuff or the the Cordova stuff, like you know, I I think we're just starting to see the tip of the iceberg of what the 
the Meteor team can even deliver in an environment like this. Yeah, I mean, it's one of the big things we've always talked about with Meteor is, you know, front to back, it's a whole, it's, you get to do, it's like early Rails, you know, before JavaScript was so damn important, or even like, you know, classic ASP when all the code was on a server. Mm-hmm. Um, it felt nice to have all your code in one thing. With the rise of JavaScript, we found ourselves split more and more into two frameworks, and now all of a sudden we're back into this this integrated environment where <clears throat> we've got one thing to think about, and it just feels way more simple um, again. Yeah. All right. Uh, yeah, great post. I mean, it goes on and on. This post yeah. is, I mean, how many words is this? Does anyone have to do a count? No, it's, it's, uh, it's got to uh, be long. <laughs> it's a mini book. So, yeah, <laughs> check it out, man. It's really good. Yeah. All right, so uh, next up, uh, Read Write Web posted on the great news for phone gap-based apps on iOS. So I looked over this article, and I thought it was interesting because they were actually talking about um, iOS 8, and I guess the effort that it turns out no one knew Apple was really making. Um, but behind the scenes, like... HTML5 is almost fully supported. Um, I mean, they've they've got a chart in this article where they compare uh, like HTML5 support and all the various things that they have, like WebGL, 3D Canvas graphics, or uh, Promises, or um, what's another interesting one in here? Speedy Network Protocol, like all this stuff, and like in iOS 7. You know, just down the board, it was a no. And now in iOS 8, across the board, it's a yes. And so um, my understanding is beyond just supporting a lot more stuff in iOS 8 and HTML5, they're actually now um, using a new WK Web View, and it uses the Nitro JS engine, and they're claiming to get like a 4x performance improvement over the old UI Web View, which I think is amazing news, uh, especially given all the Cordova stuff that's come out in 0.9. Do you guys take a look at this article at all or have any thoughts there? Go ahead. Yeah, that one I really didn't understand. So I clicked on it and I, <laughs> I looked at it very, very briefly mm-hmm. and I, I didn't really uh, follow all that because I'm I'm kind of torn about the entire Cordova thing because I'm not so sure that every app is good in HTML5. Mm-hmm. But on the other hand, there are so many opportunities that you have where you can actually put your app into into a Cordova container. And I think that goes hand in hand with the great post that I think Alice did on the Meteor blog uh, very recently that indeed Apple does allow hot code push in mobile apps. Mm-hmm. Have you guys talked about it on the podcast before? Uh, did we? About hot code push and uh, I don't know. We may seems have. Like we, may, we may have yeah. talked about it. I don't know. Okay, well, the the developer program, that was one of my concerns, and I chatted with Slava a while back about this because mm-hmm. I, I had concerns that Apple might reject your apps because not because they're HTML5, but because you can at any time just push new code into the app and then completely change what it actually does. Mm-hmm. So effectively bypassing the review processes. Um, but as it turns out, the, the developer agreement doesn't really... Uh, restrict those hot code pushes so you can do them. And I think it's a it's a very good thing that A, they allow you to do the hot code push, and B, there's the HTML5 uh, support that is now much more complete as it 
as it looks with the, the green yes, as you said previously. Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting because, um, I mean, this article uh, talks about, you know, it's kind of praising Apple and criticizing Chrome for this, for its uh, adherence to standards. Um, we were recently, in the past few weeks, we've been playing around with something called Polymer, which is based on web components, mm -hmm. uh, which is an area where Google is far exceeding Apple in terms of compliance with that spec. So I, I don't really pay a ton of attention to W3 and, you know, how the spec things work, but... Uh, it's interesting that in some situations, um, one vendor is praised over another, and um, you know there's a lot of uh, <laughs> a lot of stuff going on uh, with uh, progressing how we build web apps. That's for sure, and and how it's interacting with mobile devices is really important. And I honestly think that as time goes on here, um, you know we're we're going to see web apps functioning natively, basically through. Uh, the browsers doing some uh, better uh, features, you know, that support web apps like native. If that makes sense. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it makes sense. Yep. All right, we're moving on. Silence, crickets. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Next up was the. Uh, Meteor's new feature will transform your Mongo collection. So, um, David Woody, or Woody, as we all call him, he uh, he works at Differential, right? No? Yeah. 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 Uh, he was contracting when I was there. Um, smart. Like, I love working with that guy. Um, <laughs> but, uh, no, he, he's, he's been writing little blog posts here and there. Uh, he talked a, a while ago about HIPAA compliance with Truval, and then... Um, so yesterday he posted this one about transform and um I think he wasn't saying it's a new feature but it it's more newly documented. They didn't document it very well before, but the idea is that uh you can pass a Mongo collection a transform method and it'll run that method against the object that gets returned. And so um if you've ever looked at collection helpers this is actually how it works under the covers um when you call um let's say you know namespaced collection like books right capital b uh you can say book books dot helpers and then give it uh, a whole excuse me uh an object of um methods that it'll run and it'll it'll put onto the any kind of book object that would get returned when you say book.find or um, book.find1. And so um, he's just talking about using that to build your relationships rather than having to rely on mini mongoid or building a bunch of stuff by hand. Like there's a smarter way to use transform and uh, bring that together. And um, I think like his code examples were good, but he can take it even further and probably do something more like what collection helpers does and you could specify some relationships with some keys and then just dynamically set up those methods for people so rather than saying like person dot related notes uh you could just say person dot notes and it would come back with the right data so 
Yeah, the interesting thing about this post, he it was our stand-up yesterday. He's like, um, you know, I had this new idea on how we should deal with collections, and I had to write him down this morning. And I think I'm going to write a blog post about it. I think as he was doing that, he realized, oh, wow, Meteor already does all this stuff. Isn't that cool? And I didn't know about it. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I think it's great. I mean, you, you'll find little gems inside of, uh, inside of Meteor. Because when you went through the docs the first time, your 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 knowledge level was so low that mm. you know everything's going over your head, and then you come back again later and and just yeah. So I would say, if you haven't read the Meteor docs in a while, go read them again because you're probably going to find all kinds of gems of things that you didn't know it did because you were too dumb when you read it the first time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, speaking of dumb, I need some explanation here <laughs> because. Uh, does that mean that I don't need collection helper for some things now that I can use transform and understand what it actually does? Or uh, no, 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 no. Like if you use collection helpers, and and this was the one thing him and I were talking about over email last night too. Like, I I think you can only pass like you can only make one transform call. So I'm not sure you can chain them together. So um, if he made another one called like uh, collection related, then um, yeah, I, I'm not sure you could use collection related and collection helper together. Um, but no, like the collection helper still does has like a particular niche that it can help with, which is essentially to decorate your um, your individual collection, I guess, mm-hmm. model with methods that you may need to use somewhere, right? Like in the client or uh, somewhere on the server, like you just want to write that code once, you would use collection helper. Um, his article focused a lot more on creating those relationships and putting methods there that would expose that data. So you could call like person.notes and it would come back with all the note objects. I see. Okay. Yeah. That's kind of clever. I really have to look deeper into this, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, it's going to take a while to to get down into those weeds. Yep. Yeah, and I, you know, I uh, I sent him a couple links uh, to the collection helper code because, like, it what it what it's doing under the covers, I think, could help with creating a package out of the code that he started to write in his blog post, which mm. I think would be really awesome to see. Because, I mean, Mini Mongoid is okay, but the problem that I have with it is. The way that it it forces you to use CoffeeScript almost to do like the inheritance and the extension of <laughs> of your objects, and I think you know it's it's really ugly. Um, so it would be even better if we could just kind of glom onto the already existing way that you're doing this kind of stuff and just make it work. So. All right, cool. Go to the next topic, uh, and actually our final topic, uh, another Meteor boilerplate. So, uh, again, we're sourcing all of our news from crater.io, so if you want to have something read on air that's cool, be sure to post it. But um, this guy, Daniel Fisher, um, you know, he's got seven stars now on GitHub, a little boilerplate for how he approaches uh, kind of starting a Meteor app. Um, You know, there's no... There's no um, generator, you know, it doesn't give you the directory structure. So most of us usually start with some standard app when we're building a new one that has some best practices that we've adopted. And so I uh, highly encourage people to, to build these. Um, and, uh, and, you know, we, not every, it's really hard to kind of use somebody else's because they may have an opinion or two that's different from yours. Um, we, we have one at Differential, for example, that has uh, CoffeeScript um, 
as an opinion. And so if you don't like CoffeeScript, you get pissed off and you don't want to use it. So, yeah. uh, you know, it's, uh, yeah, but I think uh, it's good to see how people are approaching that kind of their standard structure. Yeah. Yeah, like this one is using accounts UI, whereas the differential one uses accounts entry. So, mm-hmm. Yeah, yep. it's interesting. So do you, uh, Stefan, when you when you start a new app, do you use a boilerplate or do you just kind of create it from scratch and clean it up? I guess I should be using a boilerplate, but I, I don't because I find them all too too specific in some, some areas. So I had to... Um, well, remove some of this stuff because I don't need it myself. And I was too lazy so far to generate my own boilerplate. Yeah. Um, but w- what I'm actually looking for, I don't really care too much about boilerplates, but I, I'm really craving a generator, you know, <laughs> something mm. that, that generates code for me for Meteor because mm. um, that's you, what have, I need. Have you looked at the one that uh, Chris put out from Inventive? Yeah. Uh, yeah, I did briefly, but it... It was too much then, in a sense. So I, I, I needed a little bit smaller because I, I hate to say this, but I come from a kind of PHP background as well. <laughs> and I used the Yee framework, and it, it was so nice to scaffold your project. It's probably a little bit like Ruby on Rails where you can just generate your models and stuff. You don't need them with Meteor, obviously, but um, it was nice to have some code already written. And that's that's what I really miss about Meteor. And even a boilerplate can't fix that for me. So I, I never got around to use one. Hmm. Yeah, so I don't, like, thinking back to my, like, nine-year-long Rails career, I remember using scaffolding much earlier on, but, you know, once once I got five or six years into building Rails apps, I, I don't, like, I think it was more of a headache to change and remove the code that I didn't need that came from scaffolding that, you know, it didn't really help much, I guess. Yeah, I remember I would always like be deleting comments like I hate these comments. I don't need all these comments. <laughs> yeah. But, but yeah, I think I agree. I mean, it, the tough part about uh, a, a generator for this stuff is just how, again, how opinionated and how different the structures are that because Meteor doesn't give us a standard um you know, like I still on the client side, I'm like, okay, what am I going to call this file that has like meteor.startup stuff? Sometimes I call it init.coffee, sometimes I call it you know, whatever it's like. And so, yeah, I, I think, I think it's just a sign of the immaturity of the framework probably still that there aren't strong generators, but I, I imagine with the next wave of people that come in, they're not going to tolerate that. Someone will make something. Yeah. Right. I think one of the things that would be very helpful for, for the media projects that you create with the media or create command is um, there are some of these special folders that have something that they do magically uh, like the public, like the compatibility uh, folder. Yeah, I think it would be at least something to to guide you through that these are the names that you have to do. No typos in compatibility. For me, it's it's a very complicated word. <laughs> oh yeah. yeah. Well, like I learned later on, I was a couple months into media where I'm like, oh, private directory. Oh, that that's the thing. I didn't know about private, but yeah. it is. <laughs> Even if they're empty, it would be very helpful to just know these are the special ones. They are they are there. I can create my own if I need them, but. These are the ones that are kind of treated in a special way. Yeah. Yeah. I yeah. Agree. I guess that makes sense. They should do that. Yep. We'll tell them to get on it for you. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. Full requests are welcome. They'll tell us. <laughs> so we're, uh, I think we're, that's, that was our last story. So we'll just, we'll end on predictions, right? So, 
uh, Worldwide Meteor Day was announced. I guess I didn't didn't really talk about that. It didn't. I guess that didn't make it on Crater. That's interesting. What the heck? Yeah, that's weird. Let's talk about Slackers. that as the last topic. Um, so I'm I'm curious, like with Worldwide Meteor Day coming out November sixth, uh, I feel strongly that that uh, we're we're gonna see a one zero release before that. Do you guys have any predictions on date? Um, so I, I have Yuri in my uh, Google Plus circles, and he actually wrote something. Um, and I, I'm going to quote again. He wrote this on the 7th. He said, my company, Meteor, is having a big launch later this month, and I'm organizing a worldwide Meteor Day. So that kind of confirms it for me that at the end of October something comes, or sometime in October. And some of the guys on IRC uh, predicted it might be around the 28th. I don't know. Is there a dev shop in October? At there some point? is, and it's October 30th. That was the original date that I was was predicting. Ah, yeah, yeah, probably then because they've done it in the past, and why not again? And it's still October, so Yuri's post would be in line with it. Yeah, yeah, I I hope that's the case. Um, I I I believe. Yeah, I'd say there's probably like a 95 percent certainty that that's going to happen. Uh, I'd love to see some 10 RCs right now, though, if that's the case, because uh, yeah, we are. Well, I guess it's still a few weeks away, but yeah. I'd rather I'd rather have three weeks of RCs. Versus well, I guess the week. question is like. You know, well, the, now that oh, yeah, oh nine four could be, yeah, yeah, could be, yeah. Now that Meteor Day has been announced, perhaps they'll they'll feel more comfortable with uh, throwing the one o tag out there once oh nine four officially launches, which will be interesting because uh, now we're getting full velocity support from the framework as well. Uh, there's going to be a debug only flag, so you can mark your packages to not be pr- uh, packaged up for production, and mm-hmm. then. Uh, there is a new dash dash test flag, uh, which Mike uh, Rissy and I worked on. Uh, so now you'll be able to say like Meteor run dash dash test, and it'll run the uh, CI version and spit out like whether your test passed or failed. Yeah, maybe 094 is a stealth one uh, zero. You know, yeah. Maybe they'll say at the end, "Hey, guess what? That wasn't really 094. That's actually one. Thanks." Uh, yeah, that's, that's <laughs> one can always hope. Yes. <laughs> So, yeah, it's going to be exciting. Uh, you know, we're hosting it here in Cincinnati. I've got already a bunch of new people on the list of people that are going to come. Um, and I'm encouraging everybody to find a programmer friend and bring them. So I know that at least in our town, we'll be introducing it to lots of new people on November 6th. So find an event near you or come to Cincinnati if you want to. Yeah, I'll be uh, I'll be down in Charlotte. I'm giving a training class in person uh, down there. So... I'll be uh, hanging out at the Charlotte Meteor meetup, and Sweet. I'm working with Yuri trying to put together like a another crowdcast hangout, uh, kind of like the Q and A I did with Sasha, uh, but with multiple kind of um, experts and some MDG people, and hopefully uh, we'll be able to broadcast that in the Eastern Time Zone and have people come in and ask questions and take those and answer them and have a roundtable. I think it'll be fun. Cool. What about you, Stefan? Uh, yeah, we, we have set something up for the uh, Ruhr area, at least. Um, I'm not so sure about Cologne, because obviously we can only run one of the mm-hmm. meetups. Yeah. Maybe Manuel does one, I do the other, because I'm in Cologne anyway this day. Mm. Um, so we have something. We don't have a dedicated location yet, but we still have some time, and there are some options that we actually have. Uh, and 
historically our meetups were kind of smallish, nothing compared to either London, maybe even Charlotte. Um, so it's like 20, 30 max. It's, it's not too many people. Mm-hmm. But I heard that there might be swag, so this might encourage yes. Come. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna. Yeah. We're gonna have swag for sure. We're gonna. I'm gonna actually provide food and drink for once. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, it's a celebration. We want to actually have fun with this. Uh, if in fact Meteor launches before that. <laughs> <laughs> nice. All right. Well, this has been a good show, guys. Thanks for uh, coming on, Stefan. Yep. Thanks for having me. It good was talking, great. man. <laughs>